break its seals, indicating this new development. He says, and I saw in dramatic fashion the mighty angel in a loud voice proclaims. This is intensity, with intensity, in keeping with, with, with what has already been seen and heard and felt in Revelation chapter 4. The angel proclaims. John never used this word proclaim any other place. It's not an announcement. It is an, and it's not an invitation, I should say. It is a proclamation. Paul uses it when he talks of preaching in the epistles. First and only time John uses it. He says this loud angel appears and proclaims these words. Who is worthy to open the scroll? And since the one on the throne is worthy, the tone of the angel's preaching is intensely concerned with finding somebody uniquely qualified to be able to take the scroll from the hand of the qualified one who sits on the throne, and then be able to open the seals or break the seals and to read it. One must be on par with or equal to the one on the throne. That's the only possible way that this could ever happen. And it says in verse 3, the dilemma. I almost called my sermon the dilemma in heaven. <laughs> no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look inside. And so the drama is heightened in this verse 3. No one is there, could look inside. And so obviously in verse 4, John's response is, because he was told, I'm going to show you everything that must take place. And now he's, he's, he's at an impasse. He can't get going. He a, has a quandary. He's disappointed in this turn of events. It's quite traumatic for him. So it says, I began to weep loudly because no one was found who is worthy to open the scroll or even look inside. You know, the Greek tense of the word here, the original language, means I wept and I wept and I wept. And he wept loudly. Like someone who has lost something or someone, that kind of a weeping and a concern. John is seen continuously weeping because no one is worthy to, nobody can open it. There's no one. So if God's will can be frustrated in the very throne room of heaven, what are the implications for those of us that are here on earth, right? That's what he's thinking, I'm sure. He'd been told to write all these things down, and apparently, you know, God wants this, apparently there's this apparent failure. And it says in verse 5, And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more, John. The lion of the tribe of Judah, <laughs> the root of David, has conquered, and he can open the scrolls and its seven seals. The elder speaks up, and he says, you know, don't weep. Don't weep. These aren't words of comfort, you know. It's okay, it's okay, it's going to be okay. No, he, he's, he's just telling him, this is it. There is no reason God's will is not frustrated. One has conquered, one has overcome. His name is Jesus, right? He is the Lion of Judah. A lion is a ferocious, ferocious animal, destructive. Paul Schock said he was in Africa in a tent one time, and he decided to sleep out in the Sahara, 
or not the Sahara, the Serengeti. And while they were sleeping, a roar, a lion roared. Now he said, we're perfectly safe. But he says, the hair on the back of my neck stood up. He says, it was, I was afraid, but there was no need to be afraid. The roar of this lion, according to Brother Shock. Now I forgot where I was here. And uh, those listening to these words to John of Jewish descent would remember that centuries before, when Jacob was blessing his 12 sons, and the fourth one was Judah, that when he came to Judah, he told Judah that he was a lion's whelp, and that a, a scepter, a ruler's staff, would never depart. Listen, listen to what it says in, in Genesis chapter 49. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. You, he stooped down, he crouched as a lion and as a lioness. Who dares rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him. And to him shall be the obedience of the people's. Binding his foal to a vine and his donkey's colt to a choice vine, he has washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of, the, of grapes. Hallelujah. Thank God for what Jesus did. It was, a, it was a prediction, a prophetic word. And then he also said the root of David, the lion of Judah, the root of David. David, of course, comes from the tribe of Judah as well. The root of Jesse, I'm not sure what it says there. It says the stem of Jesse. There shall come forth this stem of Jesse, the father of David. It says in, in Isaiah chapter 11, predicting the coming Messiah, and the spirit of the Lord would rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And then there's another new development in verse 6. And I saw from between the throne and the living, four living creatures and among the elders a lamb standing. Hallelujah. He hears a lion, sees a lamb. It had been slaughtered or slain. I wouldn't want to show you a picture of that, you know, but imagine. I use the word slaughtered because that is poor, probably more literal, and we're so used to singing slain, we've kind of tamed it down a bit, but it means, you know. With seven horns and seven heads, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the world. This is the third time John says that, and I saw a third development in this vision of heaven. The scene is somewhat surreal, really, when you think about it. As, you're, as we're reading it, it's like an, another, another world, you know. And notice that the one described is now closer to the throne, this lamb, than any of the others have been, not as close as them, the ones that are in the uh, previous description of the vision. And what he hears is not what he sees. A lion he hears, but a lamb he sees, as if it had been slain or slaughtered. Strange thing, a lamb is at one time and at the same time the lion. He doesn't stop being a lion even though he has the appearance of a lamb. Why a lamb? Passover lamb, Exodus. Isaiah said, when Jesus comes, the Messiah comes to give his life, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb he was led to slaughter, and like a sheep before its shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. First occurrence, I think I said it last week, of the word lamb in the Old Testament, 
Isaac says to his father, Abraham, they're going to sacrifice. He says, where's the lamb? The first occurrence of the word lamb in the New Testament, John the Baptist bursts on the scene. He's baptizing people in the River Jordan. Crowds are coming to him, and there's this one person coming to him, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, behold the lamb. Today, we are beholding the lamb. Hallelujah. Behold the lamb. He is our lamb. He is the lamb. He is the lion of Judah. And he's so much more, of course. John is weeping because nobody couldn't be found, and the elder says, behold the lamb. The lamb will now become the dominant figure for the book of Revelation, appearing 28 times after this in the book of Revelation. After all, he is the figure. Amen. He is the reason. <laughs> For all eternity. Has these seven horns representing complete power, seven and horns are strength or power. And the lamb has this complete authority, also seven eyes, perfect vision, but also the fullness of the Holy Spirit. When John and his hearers discover that the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, is the slaughtered lamb, it becomes clear that the victory of the lion has been won through the sacrificial death of the lamb. The lion, which is a symbol of conquest, is also a symbol of the sacrificial death, the slaughtered lamb. He is both. And it says, and the lamb went out and he took the scroll. Oh, the moment they witnessed, he took the scroll. Nobody could be found, but there was one, Jesus takes the scroll from the right hand of him who is seated on the throne. This is the central moment for salvation history. I was saved back in the 70s. I'm saved right now. And one day I will be completely saved. But this one seals it for all eternity. We are going to be in the presence of God. He's going to present us with inexpressible joy in the presence of God forever. Hallelujah. And we're going to be perfect. We're going to have full salvation. Hallelujah. This is the pivotal moment in salvation history. The scroll is taken and it is now in his possession. Amen. He holds the scroll. He hasn't broken the seals yet. <laughs> the tribulation period has not begun in all the other events of Revelation, but he has the scroll. Amen. He has triumphed. He has overcome and we shall overcome through the blood of the Lamb. And when he had taken the scrolls, all heaven breaks loose, I'm telling you. What a moment. The four living creatures, the 24 elders, fall down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. This is the first time saints is mentioned in the book of Revelation, referring to believers Almost unbelievably, John and his hearers discover that as soon as the Lamb takes the book, he too becomes the object of worship. The same worship that was given to the Father in Revelation 4 is now given to the Son, to the Lamb, to Jesus, the Lion of Judah. And they sang a new song, a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you have ransomed people for God from every tribe, every nation, 
every people. You've made them to be a kingdom priest to our God, and they shall reign. Hey, we shall reign. Did you hear that? We're going to judge angels. We're going to reign. What a lofty position the church of the living God, Jesus Christ, has become and will become. Amen? Amazing. New songs in the Old Testament are always, or I should say frequently, in response to God's people and a new act of way he saves them. They sang a song when they went through the Red Sea. They sang a new song. And today we're joining in that new song that they sung in Revelation chapter 5. How appropriate they would sing a new song on this occasion when he takes the scroll. (laughs) The song begins with the same similar words, I should say, as Revelation 4. But this underscores the fact that the Lamb is worshipped in the same way as the one who is on the throne. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God, three in one. Amen? And they declare that the Lamb is qualified for the special task of taking and opening the scroll. He's qualified because he was slain. He's qualified because he has purchased, implying ownership, and the high price, his own blood, universal purchase, praise God, amen, every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. Those that the Lamb purchased by his blood are not restricted by any ethnic or national or linguistic group. Jesus died for all people. What a purchasing power the blood of the Lamb has. It says he makes us to be a kingdom and a priest and we shall reign on the earth. And we come to the final development in verses 11 and 12. And I saw again, I heard around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads and myriads and thousands. You could not see to the end of the angels with your eyes. You could not see. Saying in a loud voice, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and glory and honor and blessing. Amen. This fourth I saw, this fourth new development, unlike other times, John hears and turns to see. Other times he sees and then he hears. Just a little different, isn't it? This time he sees and he hears. He hears this thunderous praise in heaven. From the outside to the inside, the voices of innumerable angels, folks. Uh, could you just, can we just put ourselves in, that, in our minds in that throne room that day? The scene shifts past the 24 elders encircling the throne and the mystical four living creatures who are darting in and around the throne to the Lamb. And in the midst of such staggering numbers of angels are gathered at that time that heaven is filled. Heaven is filled with angelic beings. No creature in heaven is not preoccupied at that moment. They are all worshiping the Lamb. Hallelujah. It's going to be a great moment. I'm going to be there. If you love Jesus and you know him, you're going to be there. Talk about assembly. Talk about a worship service. Wow. This is going to be something else. Like none other. He is declared to be worthy to take the 
and open and break the seals. The Lamb is worthy. And the throng in heaven expands beyond the boundaries of heaven for this last part to include the entire universe. And it says, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and the sea, all that's in them, singing or saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a scene. Isaiah got a glimpse, and they just said constantly, holy, holy, holy. Ezekiel, same thing. Enoch, <laughs> others, constant, nonstop worshiping for all eternity. How can you not worship Jesus when you see him? And I mean, we'll talk in another sermon about heaven. It's not going to be all sitting on the cloud playing a harp. He's got some work for us to do, but boy, there's going to be some moments when the congregation comes together and there's worship. And then there's the constant worship by those that are around the throne. The last word of praise is spoken in this incredible vision. And it comes back to the four living creatures. And they say, Amen. (laughs) And the elders fall down and they worshiped. Hallelujah. What this is, is a glorious, uh, how do you say, antiphony. What, what that means is, you imagine you're there, and the lamb has taken the, the scroll, and worship breaks out. And antiphony is, over here, the choir sings, another, here, here, here. Far as you can see, waves of worship, waves of giving glory to the lamb who's, Taking the scroll, hallelujah. It's just this, you you go to a baseball game, right? They have the wave. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be, they're going to be singing. There's going to be one group says one thing, another, it's just, that's what's going on here. And all of the universe is gathered around this one central figure, Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. And so worship team, come on, why don't you get ready? I'm going to steal some thunder from C.M. Lockeridge. Now, I'm not black, (laughs) and I don't have his growly voice. (laughs) But what he said was good enough that I'm going to try to repeat it. So just close your eyes, turn your ears lower so it sounds like I'm a (laughs) lower voice. S.M. Lockridge was a pastor in Detroit. When he was there, you can get this online. It's much better to listen to him online. S.M. Lockridge, remember this. But he said, he's the one who made us. It is he who made us, and we and not we ourselves. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies above proclaim his handiwork. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his surely supply. No barrier can hinder from him pouring out his blessing. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. He doesn't have to call for help. You can't confuse him. He doesn't need you and he doesn't need me. He stands alone in the solitude of himself. He's the greatest phenomena that has ever crossed the horizon of the world. He's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's august. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's awesome. He's unique. 
He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity in all spiritual religions. He's the miracle of the ages. He's all this and much, much more. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. He beautifies the meek. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom, the doorway to deliverance, the pathway to peace. He's the roadway to righteousness. He's the highway of holiness, the gateway to glory, the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the leader of the legislators. He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. Amen. Hallelujah. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. He's incomprehensible. He's irresistible. He's invincible. You can't get him off your hands, you can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. <laughs> Pilate couldn't stand it when he could find no fault in him or stop him. Couldn't find fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't contain him. There's nobody before him. There's nobody after him. He has no predecessor. He has no successor. You cannot impeach him. He's not going to resign. The Lion of Judah... The root of David and Jesse. Worthy is the Lamb, the Lamb of God. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Let's give praise to the Lord. This is just a rehearsal for heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's continue this today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.